Good morning. Ah, it depends on what program you're reading. Some days I'm 5'8", some days 5'9". Some days 5'7", I don't know. You know, get to this place where you, you stop growing. You don't stop growing, right? You just stop growing up. That's, that's the way that works. And, uh, hey, I always liked it. You know, I always, I, I was, when I was a kid, I, all, all, everybody was taller than I was. Well, and, and now, also. But when I was a kid, everybody was taller than I was, you know. We'd play sports together, and we you know, all this stuff. And I remember running, running around the track one day, and I was running with a buddy of mine, and, and, and you know, he's about twice as tall as I am. He says, man, you're having a hard time keeping up. I said, you don't understand. I said, for every stride you take, I take two. I'm literally running twice as far as you are. He says, that's a good point. He said, quit complaining. Let's go. Oh, you're right. You're right. Well, we just got done participating in communion, participating in the Lord's Supper. And I know that many of you know the answer to this. There is the loaf and the cup, the uh, wafer and the wine. What does the, what does the loaf represent? Go ahead body of Christ. What does the cup represent? Blood of Christ. Blood of Christ. You're probably familiar with the saying, garbage in, garbage out. Uh, And I think that works for all kinds of things. Not just uh, the food we consume, uh, but certainly the different things that, uh, you know, we hear and we listen to and we spend our time with. Bringing in with our eyes, bringing in with our ears, garbage in, garbage out. Certainly, though, with, a, with the food, garbage in, garbage out. Garbage in, you, you, you reflect that, right? If you're eating uh, uh, well and eating healthy, uh, that reflects in your body and reflects in, in your energy and all these kinds of things. But if you're, you're living on, uh, on Twinkies and, 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 and Mountain Dew, that, that reflects in your energy and that reflects in your body and so forth. I, uh, the other day, I, I trimmed what I call a beard, a little shorter than normal, and, uh, and Sam's never seen me without one, at least he no, doesn't remember me without one, and, and I trimmed it short, I kind of like it this way, and it, it, he, he came up to me and he held my face, you know, like this, real close. I said, what do you think, buddy? He said, two things, Dad. I, he said, you look younger. I said, well, yeah, Probably. He said, and also, your chin is going down. (laughs) Yes, it is, son. Yes, it is. I told him that's just the way it's supposed to be. That's what I said. Well, that's just what happens when you get older. That's the way it's supposed to be, son. Your chin is going down. Garbage in, garbage out. But there's also life in, life out. Good in, good out. Good stuff in, good stuff out. Sometimes we don't participate in the meal. We don't participate in the banquet laid before us. We certainly don't participate in the life in so that we can have life out. And then we're left with this emptiness. You've probably experienced this before. You get done having dinner with your kids and you're fighting all through dinner to get them to eat. And then about an hour later they come to you and they say what? I'm hungry. I'm hungry. And you have the same response that we have. Well, if you would have eaten dinner, you wouldn't be hungry. 
If you would have eaten what you're supposed to eat, you wouldn't be walking around constantly hungry. At least, not until you're about 16, 17 years old. It just doesn't work. You're always hungry. That's just what happens. We consume, or what we consume changes us. Emotionally, mentally. What we consume shapes our personality. And, and, and that's okay. We all have different personalities. But what we consume also changes our very character. And that's dangerous. You've got to be careful when something is changing your character or changing your priorities. Physically, what we consume, it quite literally becomes a part of us and who we are. But it also satisfies a craving. It satisfies a longing inside of us. The hunger pangs that we have. Spiritually, it's no different, church. It is no different, and Jesus knows this. We take it in spiritually, and it becomes our very definition. Let's pray. Father, once again, we thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you for the gift of instruction. We thank you for the gift of of opening our eyes to incredible things that you would have us know and have us believe and have us apply to our lives. We thank you, Father, that we have the opportunities, multiple opportunities, to live out your word and, and, and change who we once were to who we might become. Help us, Father, to take these words of Jesus so very seriously. In his name, amen. Turn with me to John chapter 6. John chapter 6 is where we'll be today. And, and, and just a quick recap from last week. We are talking about, this series is going to talk about the foolishness of Scripture. Or the foolishness of the gospel. That's what Paul says. And it talks about the, what the world sees as just downright crazy things. And if we are going to live out our calling in Jesus Christ, then we need to be able to embrace, at least make a part of us, make it a part of our lives and the way we think and the way we act, embrace these crazy things that Jesus talks about, that the gospel talks about, that Paul calls foolishness to those who are perishing. We started out with accepting the fact that God gives us a command, a command, not a suggestion. Not an allowance. God gives us a command last week to be different than everybody else. Be different than everybody else. He says, be holy. Holy means sacred. Be sacred. Now, to be sacred, when God tells us to be sacred, he is suggesting that we have a role to play in that. How we act, how we think what we consider important, our obedience, our submission, the way we treat other people. This is being different, being sacred, being holy. Jesus uses this same word, only our, our, our English translations translated as perfect. Paul uses the same word. In English, we call it complete. Here, last week in First Peter, Peter said, be holy, be set apart, be something special. And if we're not willing to accept that, if we're not willing to accept, as we look in the mirror, if we're not willing to accept that you can be, you should be, different, special, unique in this life, separate from the rest of creation, it's going to be very difficult to follow the foolishness of Scripture. You are commanded to be different 
than everyone else. If we can accept that, we can accept or we can begin to embrace the crazy things. There are perhaps few statements more crazy or foolish than John chapter 6. These are the words of Jesus, and he says this a couple times in this passage in different ways. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise them up on the last day. And those who are perishing listen to that. And they say, well, that's nuts. That's crazy. Yahtzee, I'm out of here. And frankly, I don't blame them. If that's all they hear, it'd be very tempting to walk away. Someone says, eat my flesh and drink my blood. We know it sounds crazy because many of Jesus' followers, after hearing this message and these words from Jesus, they turned around and no longer followed him. But in order to understand exactly what this means, we have to see it, just like everything else in Scripture, we have to see it in its proper context. I'll tell you what it's not talking about. I'll tell you what this is not talking about. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, it is not talking about communion. It is not talking about the Lord's Supper. I hear this a lot. Now, the two are connected. But the Lord's Supper is pointing to what Jesus is about to say here. This is not pointing to the coming Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper serves as a reminder of the very words Jesus is about to say. This is the point. This is the transformation. This is what it means to embrace those weird and crazy things in life. To become something different. Communion's pointing to this command, not the other way around. If you go back a little bit in John chapter 6, and we'll get there just in just a little bit, Jesus is teaching. He's been teaching all day, and he's been teaching thousands of people. And you know this. You've heard the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. At least 5,000 men. There's, there's probably more than that. I don't know how they ever kept an accurate record of anything, if that's the way they counted, but that's what it was. At least 5,000 men, maybe double that if you count women and children. I don't know. But he's been preaching all day long, and it's time for dinner. These people are physically following Jesus around. When he walks someplace, they walk someplace. They're listening to his teaching. For our purposes, at least at this point, they believe in God. He's talking to a Jewish audience, and this Jewish audience believes in the existence of God the Creator. The question is, are they willing to be holy? Not just do they believe in God, but do they believe God? It's a question for them, and it's a question for us. Church, and I wanted you to take this very seriously. Do they want, do you want, what Jesus has to offer... Or do they want what they want and they hope Jesus delivers? Do they want what Jesus has to offer? Do you want what Jesus has to offer? Or do you simply just want what you want and you really hope Jesus delivers? You see, that's not following Jesus. That's following yourself and you and Jesus just happen to align for a while. But giving your life over to Christ is going to be crazy. You're going to have to embrace the foolishness of Scripture, the foolishness of the Gospel. So these people are hungry, and the twelve 
this close circle around Jesus, tells Jesus to send them away and go look for food. And Jesus tells them, no, you feed them. You feed them. Now, don't think for a second Jesus is only talking about the physical food here. He looks at his disciples. He looks at those who are dedicated to following Jesus, to learning from Jesus, and he tells them, no, you feed the people. Feed them what they need to know. Feed them what they need to hear. Feed them in your service. But certainly here, feed them physically. The twelve say that's impossible. But one of the disciples tells Jesus, hey, look, the only thing we have here is a couple of fish, a few loaves of bread. Jesus says that's enough. And why is that enough? Because they are submitting this. They're giving this over to the, into the hands of the master, into the hands of the creator. And he's going to feed them some food, some tangible food. See, Jesus is about to do what people think Jesus ought to do. He's about to do what people think he ought to do. Give me some food. You're Jesus. You're a nice guy. Give me what I need in this immediate way, this temporary way, this tangible way. This is what you ought to be, Jesus. He is about to be what people think he ought to be. The church, if you will, the 12 disciples around him are about to be what people think the church ought to be. I'm in need. Give me some stuff. Take the edge off. And if you don't do that, how can you be the church? If you don't do that, how can you be Jesus? John 6, 10-11, Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. There was about 5,000 men there. Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. And he did the same with the fish. He gave them some physical nourishment. He gave them some stuff. Look, charity's good. It's one of the fundamentals, one of the core principles of being a Christian, serving others, helping others. Someone just told you about that. But that's not the point. If that's what Jesus was all about, Jesus wouldn't seem so crazy. If that's what the church was all about, church wouldn't seem so crazy. It'd just be an instrument, a tool to be used. He always takes it up a notch. John 6, 14-15, after the people saw the sign that Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who has come into this world. He takes a few fish, a few loaves of bread, he feeds over 5,000 people. The people standing there saw the miracle take place and said, this has got to be this prophet they talked about in the Old Testament. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him for, make a king by force, withdrew to a mountain by himself. And he spent the whole rest of the afternoon on that mountain by himself, praying, talking to God, being refilled with the Spirit. The people saw the miracle in front of them that served them. But everything Jesus does is leading to something else. Everything Jesus does with the tangible or the temporary is leading to something lasting. It's leading to a new transformation. He's not just serving people. And he's not just serving you. That's not what the Bible does. The Bible challenges you to be different. It challenges you to be different today than you were yesterday. It challenges you to be different than the rest of creation. Now, serving someone in this capacity, serving someone in this tangible way, might help lead us there. But that's not the point. The point is to be transformed by Jesus. He and his disciples 
during the night go to the other side of, of, of the lake. They go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And that's a wonderful story in and of itself. You can read through that in John chapter 6, but that's not the point of our lesson today. In the morning, they're on the other side of the lake at Capernaum, and Jesus makes his way up to a synagogue there, what you might call the local church building. And the people follow him, the same people that just saw this miracle. They're on the other side of the lake. They wake up. They say, where's Jesus? He's on the other side of the lake. They all get in their boats. You can read through this in John chapter 6. And they follow him. The same crowd follows him across the lake. Problem is, they're following Jesus for the wrong, we- wrong reasons. They don't want to be transformed. They want to be temporarily fed. We know this because Jesus says as much. You see, these people at this point are still having one foot in one kingdom and one foot in the other. And that describes professed followers of Jesus all over the place. One foot in the kingdom of God and one foot in their own kingdom. One foot in the kingdom of God, one foot in the kingdom of the world. And we talked about this last week. And you know this because it's happened in your minds and in your hearts. It's happened in my mind and my heart. There's a battle that goes on. There's an unrest. There's a disquiet in the mind and in the heart. I know what happens to you. I hope not everybody, but I know it happens to some. And it happens to me. Why? Because these two kingdoms fight each other. Because we want to be in the kingdom with everybody else, like everybody else, the easy kingdom. But we do believe in Jesus. And so we stick that foot out into the eternal kingdom. Jesus says, what does Jesus say? Uh, um, somebody asked me, I forget what chapter it was. Uh, you know, should we, give, should we pay taxes to Caesar, right? And he looks at a coin. He says, Who, whose picture is on this coin? It was Caesar's pay. He says, give to Caesar what's Caesar's. Give to God what's God's. What's Jesus saying there? He says, I don't care about the money stuff. He says, I want all of you. I want your whole self. I want everything that you are in my kingdom. And we got to quit going from one kingdom to the other. That's what these people were as they were following Jesus across the lake. John 6, 25 to 27, they found him on the other side of the lake. And they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the miracles, not because you saw the signs. For that matter, not because you were listening to the teaching. You saw me because you ate the loaves and had your fill. I gave you what you wanted for the moment. Your feet are so planted in the immediate temporary kingdom, planted in the common kingdom and not the holy kingdom, planted, frankly, in the easy kingdom, not the one that challenges you to be transformed. And that's why there's this push-off. That's why there's this reluctance to embrace the eternal kingdom of God. Because the worldly kingdom is the easy one. Let's, Let's just cut through the nonsense. To be like everybody else is easy. To be holy is difficult. So we don't want to do it. We believe in Jesus, but we don't don't surrender our lives completely to who and what he is. Verse 27, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures. Now we're getting there. Don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on Him, God the Father has placed His seal of approval. Consuming something changes what you are. 
And again, we begin to see what Jesus is getting at through this entire long two-day lesson that he's trying to teach here. We have to see it in the context of Jesus and the physical bread. Then the next day saying, now, take me for your life. Consume me. Feed off of me. Why? Because I gave you the bread yesterday. And today, here you are again needing more. I gave you the temporary yesterday. I gave you that thing you think you need or that thing you think you want. And here we are 24 hours later and you need it again. You're empty again. You're craving something again to satisfy you. You're longing for something again to satisfy you. Jesus says, take in, consume, eat that thing that never leaves you wanting. And so in verse 28, the people say, okay, all right, what should we do? What should we do? What's the works that God requires? Jesus replied, look, in verse 29, Jesus replied, it's not about works, guys, it's about me. It's about me. Believe me. Use me to give you life, all of me, all of I have to give. That's why he says flesh and blood. That's why he says the bread and the drink. This is all he has to give. I want every bit of me to be a part of every bit of you. I want me to be in your mind. I want me to be in your heart. I want to start changing the way you think. I want to start changing the way you see other people. I want to start changing the way you act. I want to start changing your priorities. If you would just consume my very character, everything that I am. I want to change your nature from dead to alive. This is his offer. People do the same thing that we do too often. No thanks. I'll just take the bread. Jesus says, I want to give you everything. I want to give you a kingdom. I want to give you eternal life. I want to give you eternal joy, even happiness. I want to give you mission and purpose, and value. I want you to be able to look in the mirror and say, I am different. I'm happy I'm different. I'm special. I have incredible value. What's the value? The value of a God and King that died for me. No matter what anybody says. Jesus says, I want you to live out this calling of using your time on this earth with purpose and value and mission and knowing at the end of the day you can sign my name. He says, that's what I want to give you. And what do the people say? No thanks. We'll just take the bread. We take the bread too much. We take the bread too often. Prove it. That's what they say in verse 30 and 31. Prove it. That's what they tell Jesus. So they asked him, what sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness as it's written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Did they not remember yesterday? It's the same group of people. Show us something else. You think you don't have this longing, this craving that keeps cropping up all the time? They just had it with the supernatural. 
Yesterday was a miracle they'd never seen before. Here we are 24 hours later, and that's already gone. Show us another one. I believe Jesus when he shows me a miracle. I believe Jesus when he shows me a sign. No, you won't. No, you won't. Because you'll be looking for the next one. And then the next one, and the next one. Why do you think Jesus told the Jewish, uh, Jewish uh, religious leaders, I'm only going to give you one sign, the sign of Jonah. I'm going to be buried for three days, and then I'm going to be spit out of the ground. Same thing with these people here. Same thing with us. It's the same thing with the temporary bread. Give me the temporary bread, and then I'll be fine. No, you won't. You've got to consume an entire transformation of your life that only the character of Jesus provides. And if you don't do that, you're going to be back and forth and back and forth for 20, 30, 40, 80 years. Until the sweet release of death because you're tired of fighting. We don't embrace the craziness. Jesus reminds them once again that the manna in the Old Testament thousands of years before was pointing to him. Everything that happens to these people throughout this Old Testament saga is pointing to Jesus all the time. John 6, 32 and 33, Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, look guys, it wasn't Moses who gave you bread from heaven, but it's my Father who gives you the real bread, the true bread from heaven. The bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jump down to verses 49 and 51. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, yet they died. Their bones are still out there. But here's the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. Look, is the physical going to wear out? Yes, it does. We're going to gain a couple of extra chins. That's just the way it goes. The physical wears out. But the real self doesn't die. 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Again, don't just get fixated on the flesh. Don't just get fixated on, on the Lord's Supper, this, this emblem. He's saying, no, I want you to consume all that I am. All that I have to give. My very life. Everything about me needs to transform you in your decisions, in the way you work, in the way you act. Jesus tells Satan in Matthew chapter 4, when he's tempted in the wilderness to break his fast prematurely, Jesus answered, it's written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. I love the way Jesus says that. We don't live on bread alone. Yes, we need food, Jesus says. I'm not saying that's not important, we, but we don't live on bread alone. We live on the very character of God, the very character of Jesus Christ to give us real nourishment for this life and this war and these battles. See, here's the problem. We go through life malnourished. That's it. And we struggle and we struggle and we struggle because we're malnourished. Because we only take half of what God gives us. We take the physical of what God gives us. And we don't feast upon and feed upon and allow it to change our mind, the very Word of God. We are malnourished. Have you ever seen a, a picture, I saw this one time, of, of the meal that the cyclists eat when they're, when they're training for and, and, and riding the Tour de France? you ever seen that? It's like half a dining room table. I mean, it's huge. It's just, I don't know how many, 10,000 calories maybe there, you know, in, in this one meal. 
and they're putting it down, right? Because they need it. They need it. They're going through it, right? I mean, they burn that stuff up real fast because of this hard race that they're going through. Church, you and I are going through a race as well. Paul tells us we're going through a race. To run this race clear to the end, to persevere clear to the end, and we're doing it malnourished. We need the character of Christ. We need His words. We need submission to the Word of Jesus to transform who we are. If all we crave is the tangible and the temporary just to take the edge off, we're always going to be hungry. I don't care what it is, whether it's the drink or the drug, but also the right spouse or the right job or the right position. I know I'm not the only one who's thought about this stuff. Maybe it's the right title. Maybe it's the right amount of money. I guarantee you, I promise you, you will be hungry again. It's never going to be enough. Jesus says, forget about all that. If all the stuff you consume is not enough, change who you are. Change what you are. Your peace, your joy, your contentment. Being hungry is painful. And the whole world's hungry for the same stuff. They're really hungry for the same stuff. What is it? Same stuff we've been talking about. Mission, value, purpose, peace, contentment, love, certainty of life. Every person you encounter or have ever encountered wants those things. Now, sometimes they go about it horrible ways. But that's what they want. Life that's eternal and life that is now. We want this lack of emptiness in our gut. Even the right words of comfort without believing in Jesus will leave you hungry. Now, I was recently talking to somebody who's having a hard time. They're sick. They wanted me to come and see him. I went and see him. I went and talked to him. And they wanted words of comfort. And sometimes you've got to get real blunt. I, I, I walked in. Actually, this was a while ago. I walked in, grabbed a chair, sat down. I told the guy, I said, sit up. Sit up. I said, look. I've done this one time. I knew him. I said, buddy, you got about three days left. I said, do you believe in Jesus or not? He says, because you want me here to give you words of comfort, and I can't do that. I can't just take the edge off. Believing in Jesus, believing in eternal life, giving your life to him, knowing that he's going to save it, that's the comfort you're looking for. Even words will fall short. And you'll be wanting more, needing more. I might need to do it that way more often. We had a pretty in-depth conversation. 53, 58 through 58. Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh. Do you realize that is not just the belief in the existence of God? If you believe there is a God, and that's where it begins and ends, you have no life. It is making this transformation of the way you see reality through your acceptance and complete belief in Jesus. That's what he's getting at. That's what it means to eat the flesh, to drink the blood. And if I can't have it, if I don't get it, if I go a week without it, I feel depleted, empty. That's what Jesus is getting at. Lost my place. 
Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is real food. My blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me, feeds on me, will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. And frustration upon frustration mounts because too many people think that this is crazy until it's too late. I I won't lie to you. There are times I'll be sitting in a hospital bed and the thought goes through my head. Why couldn't you have had this conversation 20 years ago, 40 years ago, 60 years ago? Why couldn't you have seen this banquet laid out before you instead of using your whole life separated from God? The banquet is prepared and there are people dying of hunger and simply refuse to partake of the banquet. And Jesus knows people think this is crazy. He even says so much, although he doesn't use the word crazy. In 6062, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? I love the way he teaches sometimes. You got a problem with this? Does this offend you? Does this sound crazy to you? Does this sound foolish to you? He then goes on to say, what if you saw the Son of Man ascend to the right hand of the Father? In other words, he's telling them and telling you, if you don't believe this, wait till you see what happens next. If you don't believe this, you're not going to believe the rest of it. You're not going to believe the ascension of the Son of Man. You're going to reject me completely if you can't wrap your mind around this. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. That's that's one of the saddest lines in Scripture. They, They had Jesus right there. They had the Word of God in front of them in the flesh. They could have asked they could have done, they could have you know, sought this greater and deeper understanding. No, no, I got the bread, I'm good, I'm good. And they no longer followed. You ever heard the saying, don't be that guy? <laughs> don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. Because then Jesus asks you a very important question. Now, he directs it to the rest of the disciples, but he's asking you and he's asking them in verse 67, what about you? What about you? You want to leave? In fact, what he implies here, church, is I'm not going to stop you. You want to walk out, I'm not going to stop you. You're not prisoners here. Do you want to leave? He's offering them an invitation to walk out. He cares about them. He always wants to strengthen weak faith, but they're not prisoners. He wants trust. This is decision time. People are walking away. People are dying. And Jesus does not call out after them, and he does not change his message. He knows this sounds crazy, and few can accept it. 
And why does it sound so crazy? Because we are hearing what we hear so rarely in this life, unvarnished truth. And that is nearly impossible for people to accept. We say we love it, right? That's hard to accept. And what's our proper response? Leave it to Peter to speak up, right? That's what Peter does. Anybody got anything to say? You know Peter's going to raise his hand. Anybody not have anything to say? Peter's going to say something, right? Peter speaks up for the rest for himself. But for the rest of this small group that's around him, gives us the response. Simon Peter answered, Lord, where are we going to go? Where are we going to go? Because we have been with you long enough to know that you have everything we need. You are who you say you are. And there is nothing out there that offers what you offer. Where else are we going to go? That's the response. And we can leave it to Peter. I tell you, Peter's got a lot of issues. He's got a lot of problems. Boy, he always comes through, doesn't he? (laughs) When you really need him to. He says something that we can learn from. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that we are challenged. We thank you that we can define who we are and what we are. We thank you that we can have a peace and a contentment that we're looking for by simply embracing what is foolish. Father, help us. Help us as we leave this place, as we wake up tomorrow, as we think and meditate going through the day that we want to consume Jesus that we want to think about what he thinks about, that we want to see what he sees, that we want the same priorities that he has, that we want our life to be changed and different. Father, challenge us, help us, but also, Father, give us a way. Give us a way. Give us an opportunity. Give us a moment. Give us remembrance as we go through life and and begin to realize this change. Father, help us to take this seriously. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand and sing.
to be that guy but this place gets whittled down to 12 people because of truth that's what's going to happen Jesus took 12 people you know what he did he stormed the gates of hell with them let's pray Father we thank you we thank you that we can be challenged by your word we thank you that, that Jesus doesn't just go along to get along that he says the hard things and he wants us to do the hard things. We thank you that he looks at every single one of us and knows us by name and says, I want you with me forever and I want your time here spent well. Father, help us. Help us to just accept it. Just embrace this crazy life. In Jesus' name, amen.